welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. I am Nate, normally your dungeon master, but now I'm your intro writer. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This is episode 4949, almost to 50, folks. Let's get right into it. Last time on Carrots and Suffering. Our heroes battled a blood monster, specially designed to be gross. But Chill Touch turned out to be the rock to my scissors. And if you glance around at your associates, you realize everyone is bleeding from their skin. It's just oozing out of your pores. Gross. Not fun! You don't necessarily feel it yourself. Oh god. But it seems to be affecting everyone equally. Mm. If we look down at our own skin, oh, yeah, do we see it happening? You're definitely bleeding. That is oh, gross. creepy as yeah. fuck. Our heroes found the slumbering millennial-old vampire Lord Mason held inert by a tree branch to the heart. Can I get to its head? Yeah, take its head off. Jalen draws Fairybane and cuts off its head. Using magic, our heroes clean the area up of corruption, but a cursed dryad emerged and appears to have been the catalyst for the broken deal that created the thorns. She is covered in thorny spines. Okay. Just like protruding from her in all directions. So then you are manipulated by someone else. To break another promise? I guess. Uh, the deal I broke was much bigger than me. With that, our heroes cured the dryad and headed back over to confront Guire, the half-vampire thing, waiting in desperate hope the characters would bring him vampire blood so that he could regrow his arms. They didn't do this, but they did go back and try to open the crypt so Guire could have a larger cage. And solidifying onto the floor is a corpse. It looks... <laughs> Fuck. Juicier than the others. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your dungeon master. I'm Sandra, I play Sable the Druid. I'm Mandy, I play Jalen the Rogue. I'm Julie, I play Sulfa the Wizard. And I'm going to need an initiative roll, because... Yeah, because Shayla's going to try to beat him there and cut off its head. <laughs> I will go ahead and roll initiative, but you let me know when I'm actually there. Okay. 18. It may not be terribly relevant. Yeah. But Guire gets a 13. I got a 12, in case it matters. Okay. Got a 9. All right. Jalen, I don't think Jessica, Cass, or Helena was expecting this, or would have... I don't think that they would leap to action, so I think it's just you. You right. win the initiative. What are you doing? I think she glances very quickly at Guire, draws Fairy Bane, runs over, and cuts off this thing's head. Okay. And you see Guire go, no! <laughs> and he, he sort of stretches his little, what's left of his arms in that direction. And then he's going to roll a will save. And he's going to fail. Well, oh, shit. now he's oh, gone all vampiric on us. Now he's going to bite Jalen. He's going to try. All right. Jessica, who goes in between you... Looks confused with her turn. I don't think she actually acts yet. And then Guire's going to charge you, and something rather unusual happens. The sword of wounding from across the room rattles to life, flies out of its hilt, and arrives in his mouth. Oh, shit. And he's going to try to stab at you. Oh, shit. With a sword of wounding. Which is very bad. So he's had a lot of time to practice with this sword in his mouth, so he does not have disadvantage like anyone else would does a 17 hit it sure does not nice choir has supernatural vampire strength and hits you for 10 damage okay she's gonna uncanny dodge okay good you will take five of that sword of wounding hit points lost from this weapon damage can be regained only through a short rest or a long rest rather than by regeneration magic or any other means once okay. per turn, when you are hit a creature with an attack using this magic weapon, you can wound the target. At the start of each of the wounded target's turns, it takes 1d4 necrotic damage for each time you've wounded it. It can then make a DC 15 constitution saving throw, ending the effect of all such wounds on a success. Alternatively, the wounded creature or a creature within 5 feet of it can use an action to make a DC 15 medicine check and can end the wound on a success. So, you have been stabbed by a sword of wounding. Mm-hmm. And that is going to bring us to Sable. So, Sable, you are heading back when you absolutely smell 
fresh blood in the air in the direction of the mausoleum. How far away am I? And I assume you start running. Yeah. You will be there next turn. Okay, so I run in to see what's going on this turn. Oh, sorry, I forgot one more thing, folks. Guire's multi-attack, but he rolled a one on the second one, so never mind. Go ahead, Silpha. <laughs> Just for the kind of visual aspect of this, and where where did he cut her? Like, arm, chest? So he swung low to high, so it's probably across your chest. Okay. Nail-biting excitement! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Told you he was no good. <laughs> <laughs> he can't help his nature. Well, but, you know, that doesn't mean we gotta leave him alive. No, not now. Or free. Mm-hmm. Silpha's f- first reaction is panicked horror. No, no! And she's going to attack with chill touch. Gonna give him a death boop. Okay. <laughs> Does a 15 hit, Guire? 15 hits exactly. Let's see what the damage is. Oh, her panic pays off. That is uh, 10. Okay, you boop him for 10. Cass jumps forward and says, whoa, 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 I'm on your side here. Just settle down, settle down. And she's going to try to calm Guire the Squire using the power of her words. Calming emotions. She does not even come close. He is Mm. very mad. Mm. And that is going to bring us to Jalen. Jalen, you take a d4 damage from sort of wounding. Are you rolling it or am I rolling it? I'm rolling it. Okay. You take one damage. Okay. So there's a a sword slash that's not very deep across your chest area, but it starts to necrotize. Yeah. Okay. She's going to, uh, Jalen is now mad, and she is going to pull out the bamboo stake, the two bamboo stakes she got from below, Mm -hmm. and she's going to stab with one. If she misses, she's going to stab with the other one. Okay. Do it. So I think this is a good time to discuss staking rules. So, if you can get his hit points to zero, your next hit with a wooden stake will stake him in the heart. If you roll a nat 20, you can stake him in the heart. So, you will basically be doing dagger damage. Um, actually, they're spears, so they d6 is their damage. Okay. She doesn't know that, though. She just knows that uh, these things are I supposed to... I mean, you're to... aiming for her heart, and you're trying to stab I, I'm, aiming, and... I'm aiming for his heart, yeah, okay. But, but basically, we have to get him down to zero hit points. Yeah. Or a natural 20 to do it. Okay. Okay, so it's plus seven. So that's 23. She, she got him with one and didn't with the other. Okay. Okay. 17. You jam it into his rib cage. You realize a couple things. One, you got a lung probably, but doesn't seem to slow him down. You did miss his heart. Can she pull it out again, or is it... Yeah, you can pull it out again. I was going to randomly interject. Are E. Elamis and Asio still present? Or did they depart? Oh, no, they're there. They're just... Looking very confused. They're not involved. They're not getting paid for this shit. Yeah, they're, <laughs> right. they're kind of non-entities at the moment. I mean, at least as long as he's attacking Jalen. Helena is going to take an action. Helena, of course, thoroughly believes that this thing should be dead. Uh, she's going to do a thorn whip. She snaps her hand, and thorny tentacled whip snaps into existence, extends out from her arm, and slaps Choir in the face for 12 damage. Owie. Jessica's like, hey, get off my sister, and goes to tackle him. Nobody kills my sister but me. She lands on top of Guire with her whole body weight, and while Guire is really strong, he doesn't have great leverage, minus two limbs, and the two of them go down onto the floor. So Guire is now prone. Anyone who wants to attack him in melee has advantage, and Jessica is literally on top of him. That brings us to Guire, who can't... Well, with disadvantage, Guire is going to try to stab Jessica. Was a 14 hit, Jessica? You sure he wouldn't bite? He's got a sword in his mouth. You have to drop drop the sword. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think he'd he'd bite. I think he'd still try to swing the sword. Okay. That's what he's been practicing with for 80 years. Now now is his chance to shine. Yeah. 14 does not hit her. She's got a 15 AC. So he swings up, it connects with her armor, but does not penetrate to her skin. And that is going to bring us to Sable. You are in the doorway. There is a vampire corpse with its head cut off, mm-hmm. leaking blood into the middle of the floor. And Guire is rolling on the floor with Jessica, and Jalen is cut across the chest pretty badly. I think Sable's instinct in this situation is to help Jalen. So... 
she doesn't know that this thing is a sort of wounding. It just looks like a, a wound that is rotting, basically, right? Correct. I'm going to heal it. Do I have to turn back human to do that? I'm guessing I do. To cast a spell, yes. So with my bonus action, I'll go back to human. I'll move to her, touch where the wound is, and I will heal that wound, hoping that that will make it stop bleeding. And then, Jalen, if you would uh, retroactively give me a constitution saving throw, DC 15, could potentially stop that from still bleeding. Roll to one. Okay. Well, you heal eight. Except right. I don't but know. Do I actually yeah, heal I don't eight? know that it won't heal. You don't heal eight. Yeah. Even the necrotic damage? Even the necrotic damage. The wound does not close, and you recognize sinister magic afoot. Yep. Mm. Jalen's like, didn't work. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, clearly. I mean, you're kind of in the middle of combat, so I will notice it. Silpha, you're up. Silpha will again use Chill Touch okay. to attack Wire. It is a ranged attack, so you don't have advantage from him being prone, but you could make a normal attack. Okay. Well, great. I got a 17 and plus, so... That is I no problem. You definitely hit him. And... Nine. Okay. Yep. He's booped again. Cass is like, okay, this has gone poorly. She starts looking around for a stake. She does not have one. Jalen has wood. There's no other wood. She has holy water. She does have holy water. She could she could destroy the blood running on the floor. Or she could use it on the vampire that's attacking. Yeah, I don't think she'd go for either one of those. I think what she's going to do, actually, is... All right, so she claps her hands, and lightning rolls through both of them, and she grabs him. And she's going to try to touch Guire. She's very successful at that. And uh, while she does not claw him, she succeeds in shocking him. Eight damage. And then with her offhand, she will miss. Okay, back to the top of the order. Helena. Helena's going to roll her heal skill and fail. So Helena runs over to Jalen and looks at the wound and goes, I, I, I've never seen this before. I don't know what the, what, what is this? And it, Jalen, it is your turn. You immediately take four damage. Right. So we watch her take more damage. And I can't use uncanny dodge with that, right? Cause I, cause I can't see it. It's just happening. It's, ble you're bleeding basically. Yeah. It's just happening. Yeah, it's just yeah. happening. Okay. All right. Jail is going to push Helena away and go at him with the two stakes again. Okay. Uh, you have advantage on your attacks. Oh, right. Because he's prone. I got a natural 20. Okay. You don't need to roll damage. So you shove Helena out of the way, lift your stake up, and say, move. And Jessica instinctively rolls out of the way. You jam him directly into the middle of the chest, and he immediately stops moving. Okay, and she's not going to stop with that. She's going to, like, he's prone on the floor with a stake in his heart. She's going to stand up and use her heel to push it as far in as it'll go. And then she's going to draw a serrated knife and, and saw it off, basically, like, at his skin. Well, we'll okay. have chances to act <laughs> in all that time. Yeah, <laughs> we, that's what she's going to try to do. That's what she's going she's gonna to try to make it so that you, we cannot get this thing out. With your bonus action, you can make sure that the stake is in good. Okay, yeah, she will put her heel on it and drive it as far in as it'll go. And I guess we will stay in initiative order for just one round, just in case. But Jessica rolls up, and uh, what weapons does Jessica have on her? Rapier, dagger, crossbow. Okay, none of those are slashing weapons. So Jessica will roll up and then kind of look at this creature, and I think she's going to try to pull Fairy Bane off your back. Oh, that's going to go well. Yeah, I think she's going to try to pull Fairy Brain off your back, because she is a little bit more bloodthirsty than everyone else in the room. She wants to take his head. So she's going to roll athletics against your athletics or acrobatics, assuming you I'm going to go for acrobatics. Resist. Yeah, yeah, Jalen's going to try to stop her from doing that. Okay. More out of concern for her than anything else. Yeah, she rolled an 18. Uh, let's see, 17 plus 7, 24. And I believe she has 18 plus 5, which is a 23. So... It's hella athletic. <laughs> she goes to grab Fairy Bane off your back and you kind of roll away. That's going to bring us to Guire, who is unconscious and staked, and then Sable. I'm going to say, Damn all the gods, Jalen, stop moving! 
and I will do a medicine check to see if I can't staunch the flow of blood and nastiness from that wound. Okay, roll medicine. Fifteen. Fifteen is exactly enough to have an effect <sighs> on this wound. You pull out a knife and remove the necrotized flesh. <sighs> Ow. I don't even think about it. I just do it. Yeah. And that's going to bring us to Silpha. Well, we're out of combat now, and... Assuming no one is going to combat round style attack, we can move out of combat. And Jalen's being tended to. I think she moves closer out of concern to see how everyone is doing. So now that Jalen's not taking bleeding damage every round, we can actually leave initiative. Yeah. Uh, Cast will will roll a healing spell to heal Jalen, and six plus three is nine. Can she heal fully now? Yes. So you have you have overcome the wounding damage. Okay. How are you doing? How do you she's, look? She's only she's only down one hit point now. Okay. So it's healed over, but probably looking a little raw. Yeah. And I am more intent on checking that wound than I am on anything else. If it looks like that wound is like actually healed and it's doing all right, I'll just say thank you, Cass. I think Jalen's still got the adrenaline going from this though and so she's she's gonna kind of shrug off people and then she's gonna pull out one of her serrated knives and go for the stake to cut it to cut it off a sleight of hand roll okay yay (laughs) yeah she's going for a serrated knife i'm gonna definitely like i mean my assumption is that she's gonna cut his head off (laughs) that's true she is right over the body yeah so if you would like to get between her and the body Jalen, roll me sleight of hand, and... I got a 21 sleight of hand. Athletics, I think, would be the most appropriate role for <laughs> Sable. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got an 18. <laughs> Minus one is a 17. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I held my own, but she does get around me. Sable's got some adrenaline going, too, so I think... I'm just like, just don't kill him! It's like, I'm not killing him. I'm not killing him, Sable. Mandy, you get around her without accidentally stabbling, stabbing Sable. Stabbling! Stabbling. <laughs> Don't stabble me! Stabble, 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 stabble. That's when you do it twice. <laughs> it's when you stab someone with a stapler. It's a stabble. <laughs> it's a stabble. <laughs> so yeah, and then give me another sleight of hand roll to not accidentally jiggle this thing out of his heart while you're cutting it. 28. Okay, yeah, no problem. Stabble is what you and Jessica play instead of Scrabble. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's when you shout spelling words while trying to kill each other. <laughs> it, it was part of our uh, learning to read <laughs> vocab upbringing. <laughs> so Azio and Yelamis look at this mess and say, well, y'all have got yourself in a pickle, but we are not paid to keep you safe anymore. So ah. I'll see you <laughs> soon. Specifically to Azio, well, maybe I will be seeing you again sometime. Oh, no. Oh, mutation bullying. Oh, man. (laughs) Azio can't really raise an eyebrow very well because she has giant owl feathers across her face, but, like, manages it and then turns and just sort of walks into the thorns. And Elamis goes with her. So I think now Jalen sits back and sags a little bit and just like, huh. Well, that could have gone better, I say. Yeah. Cass says, I don't think he's going to be in a better mood when he wakes up. Where we went wrong was opening the sarcophagus. (laughs) That was a bad idea. My bad. He was starting to get grumpy. He was getting grumpy because things weren't going his way. I don't think this happened because he got grumpy. So, Silpha, I think, is at this point pacing back and forth and looking very much like having witnessed what happened, she would like to take the head off this thing. Jalen is looking at the blood pooled on the ground and looks at Cass and says, we should probably take care of that, too. Yeah, Cass says, yeah, okay. And she pulls out a vial of holy water that you made last night and pours it over the blood. And the blood boils and coagulates and spoils. Well, Jalen will look at Sylpha and say, does it make a difference if we kill him now or I get Kylan to come kill him properly later? You're going to get Kylan to kill him? He's one of his marks. But he doesn't have to do that anymore. To complete the deal that he made, I think he does. He can declare it null. 
if the queen agrees to that. Well, the promise that she gave him is no longer valid. She can't take away what isn't there. I mean, we didn't just go through all of this just well, for you but... to... Wait a minute. Was your intention this whole time just to send Kylan to kill him while we were talking about whether or not to kill him? Jalen looks down. Wow. You know what? Do what you want. I'll be outside. Let me know when you're ready to go. Sylva continues pacing and casts eyes towards Helena and Jalen and, and says, You know, I am. I think I am in agreement with champion Helena now. This is a volatile situation, and we are in the position to take care of it. Cass says, Look, I guess that counts as a crime. He did a bad thing, I think. I think. So... All right, I'm not like I'm not fully on board, but I guess I'm a lot more on board. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna try out this walking in the thorns thing. And she turns and kind of slowly heads towards the like hesitantly heads out. And Elena says, "I believe you both know my opinion." Yeah, Jalen's still looking down. She she doesn't look up at Silva. Jessica's like, "Well, give me Kylan's knife, and I'll take his head off." I don't, I don't think that's, I don't know if that's gonna count, Jessica. Mm, fine. Well, I guess Kylan gets to have all the fun. I guess we could try to make a deal about it, if we want. Listen to me, you're trying to make deals now. Helena says, well, there's literally nothing stopping us from walking away. We can probably get through this without a deal. Now Jalen looks at Silpha and says, what do you think? Silpha's like, well, f fundamentally I wanted to believe that as long as he fed, he could maintain control of his nature, but that clearly isn't the case. And and this terrible weapon, this this sword of wounding, I I want it to be Can we destroy hidden it? in the depths of this place or destroyed so that no one may ever recover it. Do you know how to destroy it? There are methods for disenchanting an item that are quite complex and, and time consuming. No, I say I say we take the head off Sir Guire, give him a proper burial, and bury the sword with him. Jalen thinks about this for a minute and nods slowly and says, "Okay." And she'll uh, she'll hand Jessica Kylan's dagger or knife. So Jessica gets to sawing. <laughs> and Jalen's gonna get up and kind of pace away, like turn her back on it. So uh, it's it's not the best tool for the job. Mm -hmm. And if you recall, earlier this morning you were all um, blood soaked from your battle with the blood abomination. Mm -hmm. It looked like Carrie. Yeah. yeah, we look like Carrie after. <laughs> so by the time Jessica's done with this, she looks grisly. Mm -hmm. Just completely splattered blood blood and gore all over. And she says, all right, well, that's that's done. There's a pit in the bottom. We could just toss them in. Jalen turns around and looks at her and says, Jessica, you look bad. <laughs> um. No, I mean, like. Th she like thumbs up it's like bad <laughs> oh yeah yeah of course i do and she's like scoops up ahead with one hand so what are we doing a little holy water and we can place him in an urn and the urn in one of these unused sarcophagi with the sword he's not dust right he's still a body he does not dust no but Cass's holy water is used up and i don't remember who used theirs up yesterday to uh I used up mine. Yeah, mine's gone yeah, too. Yeah, Jalen used hers. Yeah, I think we're we're out of holy water. I mean, we could bring bring his body out into the sunlight, and it will dust. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. All right, so we'll do that. Uh, Jalen will get under his armpits, and somebody else can get under his knees, and we can haul him outside. You can you toss him out in the sun. It actually does not take long at all in the sun. About twelve seconds go by, and there's nothing left. Jalen will take Kylan's knife back from Jessica and clean it and put it away and is Sable out there just hanging out? I've gone to tree. Okay. Oh, I probably can't get there. Yeah, I'm going and sitting by tree. Sable very deliberately went where you couldn't follow. So yeah, you can take care of that. When you sit next to tree, Sable, tree says So, who are you? She says, my name is Sable Valeria Varathi Mirkwood? Well, that's a fine name. I'm afraid Verathi is the only one I know in that list. I was the ward of the matron Verathi, whose given name was Eustace. 
she was the leader of the Circle of the Moon for nearly a century. Hmm. I only recently took her place. I'm afraid I don't know any of these words. Do you know a Yennefer Varathi? Hmm. No, I don't. What is the last thing that you recorded Mm. before being warped? Well, I was here for about 600 years, and as the tree closest to the castle, I recorded the agreements of the Fenrir family line. Are there any that you can share? I can only share the details of agreements with which you are a signatory or a party. I thought as much. Do you know... What agreement was broken that created these thorns? I do not, although I do know that someone broke a big agreement here, a very big agreement here, one that certainly predates me, although I imagine that you are the ones who removed Lord Mason from this world? Yes, I and my friends. His agreements all resolved about an hour ago. We sent him to his demise. Hmm. Fascinating. Why is that? Hmm. Lord Mason is much older than even I. Much, much older. Not anymore. Hmm. I suspect it will be many hundred years before I am as old as he was when he died. Do you know who incapacitated him? I remember a woman, a dryad, coming to visit, and I remember nothing else. Hmm. For quite some time, you held Lord Mason in a stasis, one of your roots. I think that is what Mm. twisted you, took away your memory, and has kept you... This is not a permitted action. I understand. I think that that dryad likely twisted you to make it happen, and that she paid the price. Mm. This is a grave violation of neutrality. I am surprised this dryad is yet living. She may not be for long. I see. We have done what we can to give her a chance. What are these things? They are different. So much larger, so much... I would assume that this happened very close to the time that you incapacitated Lord Mason. The thorns rose up all around the realm of Fenrir. They are poisonous to humans and animals alike, there is a brief circle of safety around you and your companion trees. Otherwise, these thorns hunt us, and we must cut them back on a regular basis just to stay alive. We have, in 80 years, not found a way out, though we try. We believe it is a backlash of a broken agreement. Yes, it sounds very much like a bane. My thought is that for it to have affected the land of Fenrir specifically, it must have been a a deal made by one who could speak for the land. That would be the king, yes? Or the queen. Or the other queen. The fairy queen? Yes. So one of them. I have recorded modifications to larger deals that predate me over the years. It is very possible that the largest of them all is the one that was broken. Is that one you can tell me anything about? The deal's wording predates me, but I can tell that there was a prohibition between the forces of the Fairy Queen, King Fenrir, and Lord Mason. I'm afraid the details are lost to time, but that is the only deal that would govern the entirety of this land. Hmm. And this was struck between the three. The Fairy Mm. Queen, the King of Fenrir, and Lord Mason. Yes. And it persisted until about an hour ago. So it's done. Correct. The land is no longer blessed. Ah. The fact that the bane seems to persist would imply that whoever broke it is alive. I see. Do you know, Tree... If there is any other way to end a bane, besides destroying the ones who brought it to being, these thorns, for example, could magic take them down? No. No, of course not. The laws of nature are far too powerful. 
the ways to remove a bane are to renegotiate the original agreement between all of the parties, no longer an option, or to eliminate the entity for which the bane is tied to, or to make an agreement with the offended parties such that the bane is resolved in exchange for other things. But with the death of Lord Mason, I believe you have eliminated two of these options. And so we have destruction. Hmm. It seems likely. I have not seen a three-way agreement renegotiated with two of the parties remove a bane before, but it is theoretically possible the size of the agreement would be immense, and it would likely require that the majority stake in those agreements lied with the remaining two entities. Mm. Given the prominence of this creature, I doubt very seriously that is true. You have given me a great deal to think about, Tree. As always, the wisdom of you and your kind is immense and appreciated. Hmm. What else can I tell you before I must go? How long has it been? How many years? How many rings? How many seasons have I been here that I do not remember? How many how many years have the thorns existed, Nate? So time is getting really bitchy to tell in this kingdom. Now that autumn is increasingly longer every year. But you think maybe 80? Some scholars would put it at 100. Basically, every year, one of the seasons has gotten longer. As we understand it, at least eight decades. Eighty years. Perhaps more. Time is warping. Hmm. Well, not so long, then. Not for you. Hmm. I would like you to answer one question for me. If I can. How is King Fenrir still alive after eight decades. And it's time for fairy facts. Today, the dwarf. Dwarves are legendary fairy creatures whose stories span all of Europe and can be spotted in mythology, particularly of the Norse, despite having a German origin. Dwarves are human-sized, but are often described as short and ugly in the more modern stories, which brings them into line with other trends in fairy lore. Dwarves are fully mature, with a beard at the age of three, and have gone gray by age seven. They have deformed feet, that of a goose or a crow, but are very sensitive about them and hide them at all of times. One can get a sense of a dwarf's feet by pouring flour on the floor and inspecting the footprints. Dwarves are miners and smiths of exceptional talent, and perhaps the only creatures who can craft the items of mythical legend, many adorning the gods themselves. Dwarves can't go out into the sun, or they turn to stone, but in some legends they can turn into frogs or toads and spend the daylight hours safely in this form. A few individual dwarves go evil and try to trick travelers to their deaths, and these are called the Dwergar, most notably from the north of England. And there you have it, folks. Dwarves. Generally, not something you need to defend against. All right, let's get back to it. So I think during the time that Sable is speaking to the tree, Silva is recovering from some of the emotional chaos of the battle. She's going to spend about 20 minutes of time tidying up the in interior of the mason crypt, like removing the signs of battle. She will scoop up Guire's ashes into a little receptacle and go into the crypt to prepare a sarcophagus. And anyone who wants to participate in helping in, in any of the cleanup or anything, she's open to. She's just mainly trying to keep busy. Jalen will help her with heavy lifting if, if, like, if we have to get a lid off a sarcophagus or something. Yeah, so she will enlist Jalen's help in getting the lid off of one of the sarcophagi that's furthest back in the crypt. And she'll place the ashes within it and then we'll set the lid back. Is she putting the sword in there with it? No, so Silpha begins chalking out kind of a, a design with fancy calligraphy on the top of the sarcophagus, and then she will place the sword of wounding in the middle of this, and 
She kind of looks to Cass and is, says, you know, it takes a lot of time and energy to craft an item with magic, and I can't for the life of me understand why someone would choose to spend that effort crafting something like this. She just kind of shudders. And then she will step back, and she begins working a piece of clay, and she casts the same spell that we saw Sable use to manipulate the stone door down in the dungeon. And when Silpha does this, the stone of the sarcophagus engulfs the sword, and it shapes itself to resemble the figure of Guire as a regal knight lying in repose. And across his chest is a shield with both the heraldry of the Fenrir crown and the Mason family, and in one of his hands is a scroll and quill, and at the bottom is a fancy inscription that reads, Sir Guire Mason, squire to the king, author, scholar. The wise understand that while pens may be silenced by swords, words remain eternal. I think Jalen gives a nod of approval. She's pretty impressed mm -hmm. with that. Guire is unfortunately a very short knight in repose. <laughs> <laughs> within the space of five feet. <laughs> Go ahead and give me a, just a straight d20 roll. 14. Wow. Okay. So if we convert that to a crafting check with your intelligence as the base, this looks not at all out of place in the rest of the tomb. It looks great and should raise no suspicion long term. Yay. Jalen will take out the stone top that we found in the Fenrir crypt, and she will hand it to Silpha and say, here, you should be the one to give that to Miev. So looking through the last of Guire's things, there was a bedroll there that he'd been laying on top of for some decades. It's awful, <laughs> completely deteriorated. There's a backpack that's still mostly in functional shape, although it is many decades old as well. And there's an extremely old weathered journal Every page is filled with the tiniest writing imaginable, and it just covers back, front, every single surface throughout the whole book. Is this very much like the Journal of Guire that we acquired from the library? Like the, the authentic Journal of Guire or something like that? You don't recognize the penmanship. Like, it doesn't compare to the old penmanship. If Guire did write this, he was clearly not using his arms. Mm. The penmanship is rough, but anywhere where there is a surface, it has been filled with words. And as you read through it, they're not in code or anything. It's sort of one very short romance story after another, mm. crammed page over page over page over page endlessly to the end. That's it, though. That's what you got. Well, so... Take it with you. Jalen will shrug and say, I think he wanted people to read his writing. Then we'll take it with us. Okay. And I guess we go outside and we'll, we'll wait for Sable to finish up her conversation with the tree. I think that'll be about the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. Can I say one thing to the tree, the willow, before we depart? Yeah, there's a path to it. Sylpha will say, Willow, I want you to record that the one who violated your space did so because they were compelled and it was against their own nature. Hmm. She expressed regret for what happened to you. I see. Then I will record this. And it's not an act I think she would repeat. This is good to know. So you all gather in the middle of the graveyard. Mm -hmm. Where to? Which is exactly what Sable says to everyone when she gets back. She says, all right, where to? We should probably go check in at the estate. I think we head back in the direction of the previous glade and make our way to the estate. Jalen nods slowly and she says looks at Sable, and she says, if you're still up for it, maybe we could try that experiment with the tree seed. I still have the spell available. Okay. Nate, do I need to scout again, or do we kind of know the path at this point? You know the path, but you do need to scout because there are dangers in the path. Alrighty then. I will weasel up. You turn into a weasel? Give me a survival roll. Sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. You start heading back. There is a rumble under your paws Ooh. in the dirt. A big rumble. It reminds you of the last time the land shark moles mm -hmm. were circling. You know there are two of them. You think one of them is under you. All right. What do you do? Well, the first thing I do is give a loud squeak that they know means hold up. Okay, so is it staying still or is it moving? What is it doing? 
I need you to make a decision. Like, literally, what are you doing right this instant when you realize something is moving underneath you? Right this instant. Squeak. Okay. I am <laughs> jumping away. I am literally, like, leaping a different okay. direction. Upward, if I can. If there's a tree to scramble up, I'm doing it. If there isn't, then I would scramble up something else. Roll me athletics. <sighs> I want to point out that when weasels or cats jump when they're surprised, it's fucking adorable. <laughs> <laughs> like they do that arch back mm-hmm. thing. Oh! <laughs> oh no, what happened? Do not, it cannot swallow Sable. Do not have this thing swallow Sable. I rolled a four with my okay. athletics. It's a three. Oh no. Unless oh, no. I have weasel athletics that are different. Yeah, well, we can make it acrobatics and give you at least a plus two, what? but that only gets you to a Yeah, sticks. weasel, dexterous weasels. I think what this represents is there was no tree. You were caught in the open. Yeah, I just jumped up in the air. And it's going to catch you like a piece of popcorn. <laughs> oh, no. Your survival check gave you the ability to react because you are aware that this thing is moving underneath you. Yeah. Can she, like, land on its nose, like, just on the tip of its nose? Just, <laughs> just hold on. <laughs> hold on to its mouth like this. No! No! <laughs> okay, a huge sharky maw comes roaring out of the ground and tries to eat a weasel. So let's see. I squeak Roll loudly. 1d20. Squeak, squeak! I don't actually know what weasels sound like. All right. And we're going to say that you were able to declare a dodge. So it has disadvantage, and it rolls a one on the second roll. So this giant creature comes snapping out of the earth, massive jaws. You leap directly in the air, and it sort of chases you, and we see slow motion. The jaws close, and you bounce off of his face. (laughs) And go scrambling back towards Muriel. (laughs) <laughs> Do we hear this? Is is this loud enough for us to hear? So you heard the weasel squeak and you stopped. And then you hear a roar and then the thorns part. So yeah, as this gigantic 10 foot long, 5 foot wide shark creature with digger mole claws comes roaring through the thorns. And I think that's an initiative roll. I, I do. Yeah, I suspect. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Silpha, why? You weren't ready, Silpha. Oh, no. I got a 19. I have a 21. No, I was I was paying attention to Muriel. Um, she got yeah. a, well, I got a 6. Giant ground mole comes in at a 13. So, Weasel. All right. Oh, do you want Jessica, Helena, and Casterol too? No, NPCs will just go last in whatever order we want them to. So, Weasel, what do you do? Well, I roll off of it. And as a bonus action, turn back into myself, because a weasel can't fight this thing. As I'm up in the air, I, like, kind of half change into Sable and then end up rolling into the dirt. (laughs) Okie dokie. And if I can, with my action, I'm going to try animal friendship. Whoa, whoa, whoa there, big guy. What do you have that is food on you? You need some piece of food as part of that I do need a piece of food. You gave away your jerky last time. I did give away my jerky. Uh, I'm looking around. Certainly one of us must have some rations. Do I have anything? Go ahead and roll me. Let's let's do a, we'll call this a luck roll. Give me a d20. Let's see how it goes. 16. Hey, good news. You happen to be near some rather impressive berries. So I snatch some off of a a thing and go, whoa, 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 buddy. He rolls a will save. He gets a 12, which I believe is just below your DC. So he immediately turns and then starts puppy dog bouncing back and forth on giant digger claws. (laughs) Hey there, little buddy. (laughs) Hey there, not so little buddy. (laughs) Yeah, I, I toss him the berries. Yeah, his gigantic shark maw makes them look quite small. As he nibbles them up. Okay, are they anywhere close? Yeah, they're like, you know, ten feet through thorns behind you. They can't get to you without burning the path to it, but yeah. Well, this lasts an hour. No, it lasts 24 hours. Awesome. Great. I go up and pat it. There you go, guy. It's got patches of mole fur and then large swaths of shark skin. Yeah. So just make sure you stroke it in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just patting it, 
and then as they come up, I say in common, so these things are going to, like, stay out here, and we're going to have to keep charming them? I've been lucky so far? How do we want to handle this big guy here? It's so excited that you're paying attention to it. Can you send it off after a meal like you did the last one? Yeah, so I could cast Speak with Animals. I say, is there a meal somewhere? Yes. As I, like, <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> as I, like, find a patch of fur and go, yes. <laughs> Him's hungry, isn't him? Hello, friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The noises he makes are sort of like, <laughs> Are they really loud? Yeah, pretty loud. Yeah. He's Do excited. I feel like there's the other one around? So you don't feel... Well, so Muriel shakes the ground a little bit. And he's big enough, he shakes the ground a little bit. But you don't feel another source of ground shaking. Good boy okay. is a chonk. <laughs> he's a big chonk. Chonker. How big is this guy? Like, when I'm petting him. His head is triple wide for a horse. And forms this sort of sharky point to it. And he has eyes like a mole. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. So he's massive. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he biggin'. He's biggin'. Yeah, I'm trying to stay away from the actual maw. Scratching him on the side. and Yeah, he's got all those jagged, misshapen shark teeth that just yeah. go everywhere. Uh, so I said, do you, do you know where a meal might be? Can she actually see us, or are we calling over? I think Muriel sort of slows down and cuts her way gently towards it but yeah. yeah you you can get you can get there thorns are all sort of stomped down in a big circle by this puppy dog leaping yeah i mean he can come with us until we get to the edge of the thorns probably keep anything else at bay <sighs> that's true he could bring up the rear as long as nobody fights him nobody's gonna fight him right helena cass not as long as you're sweet talking him. i'm not gonna pick a fight with that <laughs> can you tell him to bring up the rear? Uh, I don't... He's an untrained animal, so you could tell him... You can sick him on things yeah. and keep him next to you. You got, yeah. you basically got heal and get him. I think he could come with me and hang out, and if something comes at us, I can sick him on him. Okay. That sounds like as good of a plan as any. Okay. okay. You are very close to the other tree grove, but your destination was the Lunari Estate. Do you stop? Yeah, we want to stop in the grove. Okay. Then you arrive there without a problem. I have since nicknamed this thing Hugo. Hugo? So, yeah. I don't know why. He's Hugo. Hugo. <laughs> yeah. Kind of Cujo-like, but not quite. And I'm like, all right, Hugo, stay. He can figure that out. Okay. Hopefully he'll stay outside of the actual grove. Roll me handle animal. Oh, Jesus. Well, I rolled a 19. That's 23. Okay, yeah. You don't think he knows the command, but he, he gets sufficiently distracted to stay outside of the grove. <laughs> Maybe you could domesticate one to dig a tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> Jalen will be like, hey, tree. You're back. Congratulations. For what? Well, I think everyone felt the disillusionment. Of the previous agreement across the land. You clearly made some decision. Is this good or bad? Hmm. The agreement predates me. I don't know the terms. But it is a big change, and I assume you did it on purpose. Yeah, we didn't accidentally cut off heads. I'm going to where the willow, the little willow tree was buried, and am casting plant growth. If she sees Sable going towards where she buried that seed, she's going to yeah. go see what happens. You cast plant growth. A year of growth goes by. A willow sapling sprouts up. It gets two, three feet high. The thorns around it... Roll a d20 here. The thorns around it respond to it like it's a willow, like it's one of the fey trees. They back off a solid 50 feet. Like, instantly, or I mean, do they, like, roll back on this? When you cast plant growth, a huge, like, radius of distance experiences a year of growth, which in this instance means the thorn spent a year backing off of this thing in an instant. Okay. Leaving 50 feet around it. You don't think it would have been instantaneous had there not been magic involved. Mm-hmm. Right. I think Jalen says, holy crap. Holy crap, Sable. I say, yeah. 
I mean, this is... Well, I have an idea. We'll bring one with us. We can do it in another place, too. Give us a little bit of space. Jalen goes back to the tree and says, Tree. Yes? First of all, congratulations to you. You have a kid right over there. How nice. It's just outside of the shade of my tree. Perhaps it will survive. Well, the thorns have backed off from it, so I think it's enough like you to have that effect. So mm. I need to beg you for a favor. Very well. You let me take your branches and you tied them to the deals that concern me. I need to ask you to s let me separate them from those deals. Our agreement is that you were to take these branches, and when you were done with them, you were to plant the seeds. Tree, my plan is to plant these seeds as soon as possible, but I want to plant them in particular places. If something happens with my deals, your words were to bury them where I stand. Indeed. It would not be good for either one of us for me to be tied to that condition. Then I agree with this new set of terms. You may bury them wherever you see fit. She gets a smile and she says, thank you, Tree. The tree is quiet. She looks around and says, do we need to do anything else here? Sable's kind of waiting at the edge of the grove, close to where Hugo is. Did we have more questions? For, this is out of character. Did we have more questions for this tree? Oh, we did, because the changeling question. <laughs> I, okay, so one of the things is, like, the tree told us that the queen is interested in changelings, and we didn't think to ask why. Another tidbit of information we picked up since then is from Whistles, in which he informed us that there is a person named Drossel who is a changeling who never made a decision, and we don't, that's kind of a new one on us too, right? Yep. Do you want to ask, or do you want me to ask? <laughs> yeah, so I don't seem particularly interested in asking any questions. Mm -hmm. I'll go back over to Hugo. I think it makes sense for Jalen to ask the question, because she's been wrestling with this changeling issue, so. Sure. And she says, um, Tree, you said yesterday that the Fairy Queen has been interested in changelings in particular for the past 200 years. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? No, I have no idea. Most of their agreements eventually involve going into the fairy wild. Okay. Some come back, some do not. Do you know anything about a Drossel, a changeling who never made a decision? Hmm. Yes. I remember Drossel. What do you remember? Hmm. Can I ask? Drossel avoided agreements, but did make one or two. The need for a decision was never realized. My impression is that he could make the decision at any moment, but simply chose not to. Perhaps it was a bargaining chip for later. Okay. Is he still alive? His last agreement is still in effect. Okay. Okay. Treath, thank you. Always. She doesn't have anything else. Okay. So, Sable, survival roll. Do I get any advantage with the mole thing with Hugo? Mm, no. <laughs> Same thing. 9 plus 7, 16. Okay. You hear talking ahead of you. Okay. You are nowhere near the edge of the thorns. I'm human at this point. You can't see above the thorn wall. It's too high. Mm-hmm. But you have navigated it such that you're coming up over a ridge instead of down around a ridge. You deem that to be a little safer, and you hear words on the wind coming up from down the opposite side of this ridge. Okay. So I'll go, shh, Hugo, hold on a sec, and see if I can't make out any of the words. You can eventually make out a deep, rumbling voice, a high-pitched voice, and a mumbly voice. So there's definitely three creatures. You get the impression they're large. Okay. But you'll have to get closer to hear it. Oh, thank you. No giants. <laughs> no giants. No trolls. <laughs> I'll try to sneak a little closer, yeah. Okay, roll me stealth. That's not bad. 14 plus whatever I get with stealth. 18. Okay. You get pretty close. Mm-hmm. And then the voices stop suddenly. <gasps> and one of them says, Hello there, little one. And it's above you. Yeah. Directly above you. Can I look up? 
and see anything? So you look up and there's a heavy amount of thorns between you and it, but you see a face that's definitely about twice the size of a human. It's disfigured and purplish looking, and it is looking down through the thorn line at you. It has a big hunched back and kind of takes a club the size of a tree and uses it to kind of brush the thorns to the side, exposing you. And there is a giant, ugly as sin, purple, bulbous giant. Hey there, big guy. (laughs) It tilts its head at you, turns its head back and says, they don't normally speak. And the mumbly voice says, well, it pays the same. And the high-pitched voice says, now, gentlemen, let's have some class. If they don't normally speak, we should talk with them. I think you should talk with me. It looks down at you. Roll me persuasion. Just by saying, I think you should talk with me? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. It's a skill for you. You're persuasive. Yeah, well, not that persuasive, because I only rolled a 9, so that's only a 13. A 13? Yeah, well, the DC's 12, so... <laughs> it says... Hmm. I'm making my voice so that they can hear that I'm actually stopping and speaking with something. Well, okay, let me gilp you up. And he reaches down and has this huge purple, again, kind of bulbous and disfigured, large hunks of strange growths are under the skin. I'll say, hold on, hold on, hold on. I can get there. And I sit down and pull the fucking boots. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Glitty's boots out of my pack. Put them on and say, up, up and away. You shoot 10 feet up, which puts you just over the thorn line which allows you to see a two-headed giant has crushed the thorns down in a small circle, making kind of a camp. Mm -hmm. In the middle, there is a peg that's sort of like a tree trunk that's been slammed back into the ground. Mm -hmm. And tied to it are three really intensely mutated humans. And the two-headed giant tilts one head and says, Look, see, she has her full capacity. It's very likely she probably isn't one of our targets. And the second head on the giant says, you make everything complicated. Just hit her with a club. (laughs) And the big bulbous purple one says, best not to make a mistake. Is that a separate giant? Yep. Okay. Are there two giants? Okay, so yeah, there's a big purple giant. There's a two-headed giant that is not the purple-headed giant. Correct. Okay. Three talking heads, but two bodies. And there are three mutated humans tied to this tent pole. Or yes. this tree. Okay. <laughs> the purple giant says, you might as well come into the circle. I will step into the circle. Meet my friend, Etten. Hello, Etten. Hey, man, what's Etten you? Both heads nod, and one of them says, it's a pleasure to meet you. You're so... Mm. Well, good company is terribly hard to find out here. And the second head says, She looks edible. (laughs) I say, I assure you that I would be very untasty. My skin is actually quite poisonous. Mmm. One of the heads on the two-headed giant says, See? See? I told you. Best to think first, act second. I'm nodding in agreement. And the second head on the same giant says, This is no fun at all. And the big purple giant says, "Uh, Please, come in. Tell us what you are doing here. Are you hunting the mutated ones, then? Hmm, the queen pays a bounty. We catch them, we give them to her, she pays. So, are you of her court? All three of the heads kind of all laugh simultaneously on the two giants. And the big purple one, with the sort of grotesque build and weird growths under his skin, says, no, I would never join that monster's court. And the two-headed giant, one of the heads says, she wouldn't take you, you're too ugly. And then the second head on the second giant says, well, you know, I offered to join her court, and she simply wasn't interested. In fairness, I had just sprouted. Mm, Perhaps with time, I say. See, that's what I've been telling you boys. We turn in enough of these, and she'll change her mind. And the big purple one says she's not going to undo your curse or mine. How does she pay you? Usually in small favors or bits of magic. Okay. Well, I am simply passing through, and I have friends traveling with me. 
equally audible and charismatic. None of us are the type of mutations that you're hunting. And I think the Fairy Queen would actually be displeased with you should you say, capture me and bring me in. Roll persuasion. Wanted to add something to it that might be an advantage, but I'll give you that per- persuasion roll first. Oh! Uh-oh. I rolled a four, plus my four is an eight. So... You see, I... And then what they're going to do, whatever they're going to do. There's a second stupid head on the two-headed giant that says, How many of your friends did you bring? Well, I'll tell you this. I have one that is big, and we can leave it at that for now. Roll me intimidate. Jesus. Oh, that's better. 18. Okay. It must be the sparkles, right? (laughs) The two giants look at each other, and then the big purple one says... It's probably not worth it. The erudite head says, Now, gentlemen, I've always told you it's never worth it. And then the dumb head says, If you don't shut up, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) And then the purple one says, Well, we might as well meet your friends then. As you two climb up with your three-person entourage and your giant mecha robot, you see over the thorns, which you can do because they have been blasted out of the way by Muriel, Three heads, two of them attached to one body, and Sable drifting on her stilts just over the thorn line. I wave back and say, oh, hi. Everything okay? This is, and I repeat the names. You've only been offered one name, and it was Etten. This is Etten, and I am afraid I didn't get your name, sir. Formian. Formian. Hi. Hey. They're hunting mutated things for the fairy queen. Like Guillemis? Mm, maybe? Yelamis is our competitor. How do you uh, know Yelamis? We ran into him out here. We bumped into him, yeah. It's still for nods emphatically. You don't work with him? Oh, oh no. no. God, no. <laughs> no, we're just trying to get out of the thorns. No, he, he made a terrible impression. And he didn't try to capture you? We weren't what he was looking for. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The erudite head says, well, there's certainly something here that is not as it seems at all. It's very rare to find humans like this roaming about. Oh, I know. And the dumb head says, they got giant. And the purple, that's that's not a giant. She's our giant. <laughs> Does Muriel introduce herself? Muriel will continue cutting her way down. I'll say, so if you don't mind, we'll just be on our way. Hmm. We don't want to trouble you. The three giant heads on the two giants give each other meaningful gazes and looks. And finally, the erudite head says, I don't think we can take them, frankly. Might as well let them through. And Formian says, I disagree with you, but we might as well let them through. And the dumb head says, no, no, we can take them. And then the erudite head says, dearie, you're outvoted. So, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I keep my mouth completely shut while all this is happening. The purple giant stands up to his full height, which requires him to bend a little bit. He's got a weird hunchback, and he says, Well, move along. You're scaring away the game. Yes, sir. Well, we're sorry to trouble you, gentlemen, by traipsing through your camp and interrupting your business perhaps for your your trouble since you seem like such civilized folk i could give you something that makes our safe passage worthwhile and you can forget you ever saw us the three heads all turn and look at you simultaneously silpha withdraws one of our vials of fairy moans and says now i'll give this to you if you promise you won't use it until let's say tomorrow But this, I think, you would find quite useful in attracting the kind of game you're seeking. The purple hand of the Formian giant reaches out and goes to hold the vial from you. Gentle, gentle. It's very potent. He picks it up, and it's very tiny in his hand. And he says, hmm. (laughs) Hmm. I think this is bait. Yes, yes, that's the idea. And the erudite head says, well... I think that we will have an advantage over our competition with the dear Elmis, thanks to this. And the dumbhead says, I 
guess we can't get him. <laughs> oh, poor little dumbhead. I say, let me down. And you're, you're back on the ground level. You can move on. It was a pleasure. Goodbye. Come on, Hugo. Bye. Happy hunting. And we're going to leave it there at the edge of the Lunaria State. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson from My Pet Machine for our tunes and Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our logo. You can find them both on Facebook. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review wherever you found this. If it's one of those places without ratings, perhaps visit iTunes. We don't advertise, so this is how people find us. Tune in next time to figure out what happened while our heroes were in the thorns two full days. I'm sure it was nothing. The world revolves around our heroes, right? Right? See you next time on Carrots and Suffering. stone shape spell could get you either an orb that detects your mason heritage or an orb that casts perpetual darkness i mean <laughs> of the choices i don't know how helpful mason heritage, <laughs> mason heritage is are you genuine mason or not <laughs> and do i care <laughs> <laughs> it's a party trick <laughs> It, it'll it'll help the Masons avoid inbreeding. Ooh, he not the daddy. <laughs> On Fenrir yeah, Mori exactly. <laughs> We do Mason paternity tests. You're not the father. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> that seems like a very specific scenario. <laughs> <laughs> just like whenever and unwrap just it whenever. and have darkness. Whenever you unwrap it, you get the darkness spell. <laughs> that sounds like a, a great kind of yin yang thing for a moth creature to have. <laughs> Leave me alone, mom! <laughs> <laughs> and Vanessa's like, hey! <laughs> it's so perfect for teen angst! <laughs> She goes, are you are you going through a goth phase, honey? <laughs> I'm just going to sit in my room in the perfect blackness. <laughs> and mope. Um, <laughs> give it to my goth there boyfriend. You go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give, give it to Elamis. Be like, I saw this and it's darkness and I thought of you. Here you go. <laughs> Be like, baby, I got you a wedding gift. <laughs> oh, it's dark like my soul. <laughs> makes me think of our relationship. <laughs> it reminds me of your sister. <laughs> oh, which one? <laughs> Best left ambiguous. And so it continued for another 20 minutes.